Hey guys, welcome everybody to the CCW Safe Podcast. I am Rob High, your host with my co-host, Philip Naiman. Philip, it's been a little minute. How you been, brother? I've been great. I know we've both been busy, but I've been great. So glad to be back on with you. Most excellent. I got to attend my first Rangemaster TACCON conference this year. Um, just got back Sunday night from that one. It was uh, better than advertised, actually. It was super, super good. Tom Givens has has really built uh, an impressive cadre of instructors. Uh, super good guys. <clears throat> so what, what were the topics that they went through? Everything. Absolutely everything. Um, multiple different um, empty hand, hand-to-hand, force-on-force things. Uh, Craig Douglas and his ShivWorks guys were out there doing uh, doing some combatives things. Um, who else? Um, Greg Elifritz did some some different things. He did, uh, what was it? Uh, some Kubaton things. Oh. Um, so people that had never been exposed to those kind of things. Andrew Branca was present and did his law of self-defense. Uh, Asa Ayub, Ayub was out there doing um, some lessons learned and some other case study things. Um, they had a nice little panel that did a, a three-man presentation on aftermath of a shooting. Um, I don't think those are classes that get put out there often enough. I know that that we've talked to it to those topics at length, um, but understanding just how far-reaching the the effects of a self-defense case go. Um, <clears throat> I really enjoyed it because you had you had somebody that was from the law enforcement end and talking about responding and dealing with their officers that had been involved in officer-involved shootings. You had another officer that had an incident that he thought was uh, a gentleman with uh, an AR and it wound up being an airsoft gun. And another another guy that's a civilian that was home with his family and had uh, a break-in. The person would not respond to verbal commands and continued to engage and, and come in. And the, the man had a wife and kids in the house and had to, had to engage him. Uh, but his wife was also present, so it was very nice for people that were there to to see things from her perspective as well. Uh, it's just one of those that, you know, we're we're just in a time now that, you know, it's the the odds are still greatly in our favor that we'll never be involved in anything like that, but it's it's more and more frequent. And it's just something that, that we're seeing 
at every level across the country. Uh, I still think it's one of those that goes without saying um, the, you know, obviously the, the home invasion shooting that, that they presented was somebody that was in desperate need of some mental health attention, but we don't know that. I mean, yeah. What are you going to do? Diagnose them on the run? You yeah, know, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I think, I think the severity is different. It seems that in the past people had some kind of well, crime still happened. Victims were still, you know, horribly treated or, or killed, but uh, it seems like the bad guys now are just going for broke. Like, so what, you know, I, we saw a video the other day of some drunken guy attacking a guy and the guy pulls out his gun and says, leave me alone. Step back. And the guy charges him again. It's like, what, what, what are you doing? You know, I mean, common sense has left the building and in some States, you know, the left coast in particular, when they've removed all penalties for crimes, it emboldens them to take that next step. And you know, a home invasion, somebody's home and somebody breaks into the house. Um, you know, they're not selling Girl Scout cookies. Uh, they know the people are there. They haven't, they're not responding to intentions. I mean, where, where do you go with that? You know, it, it does force you to that next level because you can't let them continue because the results of that action are something you cannot or may not live with, but cannot live with for sure. So it seems that the criminal element has been so emboldened by some areas lack of doing the little things like, I don't know, putting them in jail for assault or attempted murder, you know, the little things uh, that they just, they just roll forward. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's the actual terminal force is the only thing that, that stops them. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's, and it's a whole different level of threat when they've come into your own domain and you have a wife behind you that is not trained in what to do. You have children that are behind you. Uh, I found it interesting how, how many questions came to the guy and <clears throat> he actually has uh a legal membership service through a competitor, but it was one of those that as they were talking about the things going on, you know, he made a phone call, they assigned him a, an attorney. He was very pleased with the attorney, but that was essentially kind of the end of it as far as services provided. And it just makes me so proud to work for friends of mine that have developed a package for people that is so remarkable. Well, it used to be very similar to what law enforcement got, and we've exceeded that. We've gone so much far beyond that as far as services and things in place. There was something, a question from the audience, and somebody asked, what about uh, you know, obviously it happened in your home. Did, did they send anybody out to clean that up? And it's a biohazard. Um, the results 
of a shooting are are ugly. They're they're they, it can be an, a, a contaminant. You don't know anything about the person who spilled blood on your property, and they wanted to know. You know, did they did they send somebody out? Did they help with this? And and that was not an option for for this family, and he had to clean up himself. That's just that's just not okay. <clears throat> I remember uh, a classmate of mine in the police academy. Same thing. He was attacked. He was violently attacked. And by the time he was able to get a gun into the fight, he was face down in a bar ditch with an assailant on his back, and he basically shot him off. And his first his first round was was a, a contact shot. And it was one of those that was really easy to work. It was something that was, you know, yes, everything is is in place. We had independent witnesses that that were there that corroborated the story the the guy that attacked the officer his friend corroborated the story yeah this is what happened he didn't have any choice so it was at that time it was a very quick turnaround it was like yes you know the the district attorney's office blesses him and uh, no fault of your own this was obviously a self-defense act that was done in the line of duty everything is good, you're blessed, you can go back to work. Well, that's okay, but not everybody is quite ready to go right back to work. And when they when they made all these decisions on this, they just gave him his pistol back. And he had a lot of contamination inside that pistol. You know, yeah. that, that first round was a contact wound and... It was one of those that we didn't know ahead of time. But, you know, after that, I was like, man, I'm a firearms instructor. If, if somebody has, has been involved in a shooting like that, bring the gun to me. I'll clean it. Um, but that's, they have the ult that's why they have the ultrasound machines. Just put it in the machine. <laughs> <laughs> but having survived a, a lethal attack on yourself and then you get that reminder. And I'm telling you, it shook that guy up really bad. I, it's one of those things that that's been more than 25 years ago, but I still remember responding to that call like it was yesterday. Um, it's just all of those things that, that get included in this. So <clears throat> anytime you can get to a class that's like that, you know, Mike Darter, our CEO has done one, Gary Eastridge, um, our critical response manager has done one. We've, we've all contributed to putting training out like that because it's really important to kind of have an understanding how all of that's going to work before you're actually involved. And, you know, there's an old saying that I, that I always found to be so, so perfect. Um, And it was, you, you can either be consumed by the fire or you can be forged by it. And if, if I've done no preparation, I can only expect to be consumed. If, if I've worked on this and actually trained and given 
given focus to, to how these, these things, these events will go and, and the things I'll have to respond to, uh, the, you know, the officer that had been involved and, and the kid had a, an airsoft toy AR and he, uh, obviously he, he's, he's from, um, a little bit more liberal area and he was just roasted in the press. They, they really attacked him and he had death threats and his family had death threats. Um, he was doxxed, you know, they put his, his residence and, and information online to where anybody had access to it. It's, it's just one of those things that, you know, you, we keep doing things like this in this country and, and you're going to have people that aren't going to be willing to stand in the gap anymore. Uh, I find that to be really troubling. <clears throat> um, and, you know, some people are like, well, it was an airsoft gun. If you've done one level of training, you know, where somebody's presenting something, maybe it's a house or something like that, the speed at which something is presented the intent that something is presented, um, you know, someone's got an AR-15 airsoft gun or AK, whatever, but um, how, how are you going to decide, okay, I should just let them take the first shot to make sure it's not a plastic pellet? I mean, what you can't because that person has brought that into that area, whether they realized it or not, they notched the response up to another level. You know, you with a pistol, it is very difficult Again, somebody who's trained with the rifle, it's a very difficult situation you're going to be in. So you're not going to let somebody else get an upper hand with a, with a long gun. You're just not going to do that. You can't if you want to survive. Um, so that puts a responding anybody in a huge deficit as far as, as time or compassion is because you can't, you can't hold back. You have to go. Um, you know, it's... I'm sorry for the family of the the child who had, or young man, or whoever it was, who had the uh, the airsoft gun. But you have to realize that he caused it. Yeah, and it, it's something that that again, you know, those those ripples, the the effect that that incident will have for an eternity you know yeah. it affects the officers the officer and the officer's family and the guys that he works around it affects uh obviously the young man is deceased for for his actions in that in that case but it goes on and on and on he's got siblings and parents and and loved ones and classmates and whatever else out there and everybody responds to those in, in a different way. Um, so to have to have the opportunity to have places that we can go and we can we can learn about the the justice system and how it's designed to work, how it's designed, how the things that are that we have the opportunity to utilize for our protection in the event that charges are filed. Um, the, the ability to, you know, if all you got is 
is a hammer. Every one of your problems is a nail. <clears throat> so, and, and I understand, I mean, there's, there's people that because of their age, because of uh, physical conditions and ailments and things like that, they're not going to spend, you know, four days a week in a, in a dojo rolling and throwing guys or throwing punches or kicking and doing all that stuff. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we can do. Um, I was really impressed. There was, there was a group down there. I met a, met a gentleman that he's actually a retired attorney now in Texas, but he does, he designs, uh, courses for people with, with, uh, disabilities, disabilities. typically, nice. yeah, typically guys that have, uh, lost use of limbs or lost limbs and things like that. And he's taken a lot of, a lot of guys that were, were injured, you know, serving the country and, and had these huge injuries that think, you know, I can't do this anymore. And he's, he's got the expertise to, uh, push that forward and, and create a, a means for them. And, you know, that's a big deal for, for guys that have, have stood in the gap, you know, they, they've been the defender and all of a sudden because of that obligation, that promise to serve this country at, at the cost up to your life. And all of a sudden it's like everything you've, you had is, has kind of been taken away because of an injury and to give them hope that no, it's not, you know, there's, there's a way through this and we can, we can design things for you. So that was, that was pretty interesting. <clears throat> we had, uh, man, I'm telling you the, the, the caliber of instruction and instructor cadre that, that, Tom Gibbons has collected and put together in one place. Um, I don't know that he'll ever be able to find a better host. Uh, the Dallas Pistol Club is far enough away that you can do all the shooting that you want, but it's close enough that, you know, it's a five minute drive from the hotel. Nice. And plenty of ranges and plenty of space, plenty of classroom spaces for uh, the guys that were that were just doing classroom blocks of instruction, and there was probably more, probably more classroom instruction than online instruction. So you could you could really kind of kind of do a deep dive on a lot of different topics. I was I was very impressed with with the the programming and the things that that they were able to bring. <clears throat> You know, one of the things you were mentioning about that class for people who had disabilities is sometimes you may have a temporary disability, like you saw in January where I, you know, destroyed my hand and still, you know, there won't be any jujitsu till the end of June. So um, my left hand is basically off limits. So, you know, how do you now you know, so you could have a temporary injury and have to do everything one-handed. Um, I was shooting with my friend, Mike Zengali. This was a couple of years ago. I had 
It's like the medical history of Philip Naiman. I had a shoulder surgery, so I couldn't use my right arm. So I shot a, a, a practical pistol course, left-handed, all day long, unsupported, which made for a very long day and a lot of ammunition spent. But, you know, when was the last time you shot 300 rounds unsupported with your off hand? Um, <laughs> but it, it, I don't know. So maybe that should be part of our regular training regimen is doing things one-handed. I mean, yes, it's great proper grip, draw stroke, all this stuff, but a lot of times something could happen, you know? Yep. <clears throat> we, uh, we're prepping now. Uh, we've got a few classes coming out to uh, our range, uh, good classes. Um, Justin's working out there and he's, he, he's our production manager, but he also kind of oversees things going on at the range. We've got some, some progress being made out there with, with some uh, tidying up and uh, fixing up and kind of rebuilding some, some shooting ranges and things like that. So got, got plenty of that coming up. We are beautiful facility. It is a beautiful place. Um, we're, we're also uh, a couple weeks out from NRA national meeting. So anybody that's going to make NRA, we sure hope that, that everybody is, is uh, going to swing by and, and touch base with us. Uh, we have uh, our national trial council, Don West is going to be out there. He's going to, going to make an appearance each day. Um, Jeff Gonzalez is, is going to come out and make some appearances for us. Uh, we'll have JJ Ricaza out there making some appearances for us. So uh, got a really good team going out there this year. Uh, we have a brand new booth. We're really excited to get out there and, and share our message and answer any questions that for anybody that's out there that's maybe using another carrier wants to do a, a comparison and see what kind of difference that, that we could make in their service. So uh, that one's, that one's coming up uh, mid, mid April. So we're, we'll be out there, be out there shortly. Um, another thing is, is we're at that time where we're back and everybody is at each other's throats um, <clears throat> with the, the continuation of, of active shooters, active killers, um, spree shooters, whatever, however you want to address them. Murderers. Yeah, they are. And, and it's one of those that it, it's silly that the press wants to get involved with the the stupid minutiae of stuff that well it's this or it's that or it's and the thing is is you know what whatever the reason we all understand it's been this way for a long long time hurt people hurt people um but to very specifically target areas that are safe areas safe zones safe places where where the threat of you being confronted um, is is reduced by policy and sometimes by law. Uh, I made a statement on that one time um, 
when I said that criminals are cowards. And it's ex- they, they choose a place like that because they don't want to be confronted. They've got an evil in that they're consumed by. They don't want to be stopped. They don't want to be confronted. They'll take the avenue that gives them the least resistance uh, because they are cowards. You know, they'll write something on this, this, this last one. They're, they're all horrific. Yeah. There's nothing you can say um, in there. I'm not even going to say defense, but nothing you can say on their side of the ledger, period. Everything they've done is absolutely wrong, uh, evil, and should never be condoned. Absolutely, thousand percent. Um, <clears throat> but they choose these areas, whether it's a school. And in, in California, the restrictions on where you can carry a legal CCW are ridiculous. And they're trying to even make them worse, almost to the point where you really can't carry legally anywhere in the state. Um, because of all these restrictions that they're putting on, which means that they're telling these crazies, hey, you have far less to worry about. Well, and, you know, we play into that as well, making making things dangerous, um, especially if you're talking about, you know, you placard an entire, you know, you go to a big mall and it, that's, that's a big community. That's, there's a lot of people there. <clears throat> and, you know, we saw the, uh, Elisha Dickin last year in Indiana step forward and, and address a threat and, and saved lives. You know, there's no question that he saved lives. We had the recent one in El Paso. Um, you had a good guy with, with a gun that stopped a bad guy with a gun. Uh, there's never any placards outside those malls that say uh, criminal free zone. No, they should just put no. that sign up and then everything's fine. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting. There, there are enough people that have deep dived into these studies that this information is out there. Uh, there's a guy that is one of our FTA members. Uh, he and his brother, own a range in Arkansas, but his name's Ed Monk. Uh, I like to give Ed a little shout out just for the, for the work that he's done. Um, Ed is, is no local redneck clown. That's, that's claiming things. He was a West Point graduate. He retired as a Lieutenant Colonel from the army. Um, he was a tank commander. He, he, was in armor for his for his career but he told a story recently that was talking about when he got out of the army his his big desire is he wanted to go and and be a teacher he thought that would be a great way to continue to serve his community you know he's got a servant's heart that's the kind of thing he's plugging himself into and he and he does he gets hired and he goes to the administration he wants to know you know, these, these are things that are happening in the country. These are absolute things that are occurring. What, what are we supposed to do? If something happens at the school that I'm instructing at, what, what do I do with, with my classroom? And the, the answer was the same as it was back in the eighties. It's move them as far away from the window in the door so that they can't be seen and push them, push everybody into a corner. 
And if you've got somebody that's coming in with uh, a firearm of any type, that's that's a no that's a no miss scenario. I just I just pointed in the direction of the corner and and just start shooting. And he was like, absolutely not. This is not the way, this is the way to kill kids. And he it it was really it landed on deaf ears. Uh, but Ed and his brother have have done the research and it all comes down to time um the sooner that you can get a firearm into the fight against somebody doing evil the sooner you stop that that threat uh, when i first came into law enforcement our response on something like that was uh Get as many people there as quickly as you can, surround, surround the area, lock down the scene, and call the call the SWAT guys. And that's that is not a winning combination. Now you're the SWAT guys. Yes. And and then uh post Columbine, everybody was like, that that doesn't work. You know, why did you know? People don't realize that that police did not end that confrontation at Columbine. They got tired and they killed themselves. <clears throat> they weren't in the building. I mean, there was another like 45 minutes before police even entered the scene. And it was all all done. Um, so I remember they had an FBI statistic. I mean, even the FBI figured it out that if an active shooter and these are casualties, not not always deaths, but if an active shooter situation or mass shooter situation is stopped by police, the average is 14 point something uh, casualties. If it's stopped by a civilian, meaning the first responder on the scene, first victim, it's like 2.1, mm -hmm. um, you know, 700% difference in, in the casualty rate. Um, it's, it's time, right? And, and as we said before, a lot of these these are cowards. You know, a shot comes out their way, whether it hits them or not. But when that supersonic crack goes past their left ear, uh, it changes their entire game plan. Well, and and you're right. You know, in an instant like this, this this is an act of cowardice to me. Um, but we we tried to make a correction to waiting on the SWAT team, and it was like, okay, you get the first three guys there, and then you make a, a quick entry team with that. That's still waiting too long. And now it is, you get there, you go. And you know, believe it or not, part of the hardest part of that training for, for cops is, is, not, is not to get them to go. It's you get them in and all of a sudden you get to a victim that's down and that you, you want so badly to make that the priority with what you're doing right there. And in that scenario, that's not your priority in that scenario. It's to press on, step over them and, and go find where that threat is. Um, December 2nd, 2015 in San Bernardino, um, family member, good, good friend also was, is still San Bernardino SWAT. They happened to be training that day. They actually, they were geared up and 
doing a training session only a few miles away from the uh, from that mass shooting that happened December second, two thousand fifteen, in uh, San Bernardino, where those two jihadis took off. Um, they were under four minutes. A SWAT team was there. That's like an unheard of thing, right? Because they just they already were geared up and they just were not that far away and they made it there. They went and he said the same thing. You know, there were so many victims, but they had to stay focused on the threats and searching, you know, there was carnage in there. And what they didn't realize at the time was that there was these brown bags along the sides of all the walls that these jihadis had set out uh, that had uh, radio communication explosives and that they were in the parking lot trying to set them off, but they'd parked too far away, you know, but I mean, it's that, that's some of the things you're up against. And, and, and fortunately that afternoon, they um, went to go meet 72 Virginians and uh, that was the end of that. But the, the situation, what I'm saying is they're there to defend, but you've got people laying on the ground and screaming and crying and, and they have to stay focused on what they're doing, as you just said. Well, and, you know, people don't realize, I, I know most recently you, you actually had uh, a student that was trying to, to pull the, uh, the fire alarm, but even without somebody purposely doing that, um, that fire alarm usually goes off once, once the shooter starts discharging that firearm um it's just the concussion that activates those sensors uh and and that's typically what what starts setting that off um anybody that got to to see recent video and they you know hats off to to the people in nashville and and their chief for not hiding anything they just they stuck everything out front and as a professional that's done that, there would, there would be things that I could critique, but that would just be stupid right now because those guys were absolutely heroic. Um, they took fire on arrival and geared up and went in and just went to work. Um, for they got it. They run They got to find where this person's at. Cause it's, yes. you know, yeah. Up the stairs, down the stairs. I mean, but they kept going. Yeah. And that's, that's part of being professional on their end that they're, you know, they've got their vest on, they got their gear. That's another 30 pounds. They've got to run and sprint into these areas and continue until the fight's over. Yeah. You know, the physical capabilities they have to maintain. It's, yeah. I, I think they did a great job. I don't think there's anything to critique um, from anybody who wasn't in the situation. Well, it's, it's just one of those that, um, you know, you touched on it earlier. The, the sooner there is somebody that can address that lethal threat, the faster that you can address it, the more lives that are saved. It's just, it's just that quick. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those that, you know, the, the outreach for this goes so far. I mean, it's not just the victims in the school. It's not just the the family of the shooter. It's 
everybody that was involved in that in whatever way. And, you know, another, another aspect is if you have been involved in a critical incident like that, and you've not ever dealt with those things properly, you don't know how to, how to seek the help for that. Uh, the, this is another one of those things that, that, uh, re-trigger you. It, it, it hits you all over again. So uh, the ability to have people that know what kind of help and assistance that you need uh, following an incident like that is, is just, it, it doesn't have a price for that. I mean, it's just, it's a priceless service to, to be able to get, get somebody that kind of help. Um, and again, it's another one of the, the things that just comes with, uh, all of, all of the packages that, that we offer to, to the members for CCW safe. So we're really proud of, of that. Um, you, you mentioned that yeah. tangentially, but exactly what are you talking about? Well, um, you get, uh, psychological counseling and, and therapists that are not just a therapist, you have somebody that is specifically trained to, to deal with people that have survived critical incidents. Yeah. Um, and to be able to uh, help people reprogram um, yeah. and, and handle the, the kind of stuff. Um, I've gone through stuff like that. Um, our COO stands going through stuff like that there's just there's so much benefit from from being able to to properly digest that and and not make it something that just you get triggered with all the time uh that that's a big deal you know it's just and to have a, a company that has an ownership group that understands the value of having mechanisms like that in place for our members just you know it, it's it's just it, it's such an incredible benefit you know I'm, I'm just always so so humbled and honored to get to work for this company and 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 then just so excited because the guys that own, own this company are my friends you know, that's just a really big deal for us. I, I love the family aspect of it. <clears throat> Good people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and the other part of that, you know, you can, you can tell watching the Stephen Maddox interviews, you know, you pull up one of, one of the, uh, the, the stories of, of Stephen that we've done and listen to him, the guys, the guy's family, um, you know, to, to have somebody that, is a paid member that has experienced the worst of the worst. And, and he understands that family aspect of it. And, and we get, we get cards and letters and phone calls regular from this guy, um, which, which is an added bonus for us because he's such a quality human being. Uh, but we've, we've had other guys that, that have been involved in incidents that, that the same thing. It's it's not anything to be going through the day, and all of a sudden you get a text that they're just checking on us. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. <clears throat> Have uh, you got anything coming up on the horizon? 
I just did a bunch of things. Um, I think we're going to be focused on my family. My son graduated med school, so we're we're going back to uh, pick him up after his his graduation, and you know, I'm just very blessed with that. Very good. What's his What's his next step? Uh, he'll be a UCSD uh, in residency, so probably July, I think they start that. So coming back out to California, but at least he's in San Diego. I mean, if you gotta, yes, you gotta be in the crazy town. And San Diego's <laughs> awful hard to beat. Yeah. Well, we kind uh, of got a full summer coming up, so we are looking forward to to getting out there and meeting some of our members. Like I said, we're going to be out in Indy here in a couple of weeks for the NRA annual meeting. So if you guys are out there and get an opportunity to swing by and see us, we'd, we'd love to see you come, come Rob's grab a... signing autographs in the CCW safe booth. Yeah. Yeah, I, do, I do thumbprints in blood. <laughs> <laughs> Was it really him? Oh, um, Man, Phil, it's good to see you again, brother. I've, I've been missing you. Um, yeah, me too. I'm glad things are working out for you. Yeah, we, uh, we'll we get back at it and have things have, have other things coming up. We got uh, Craig Douglas from ShivWorks that'll be on with us next week. We already got him locked down. So I uh, just want to say thanks. And you guys, as always, have any comments, questions, concerns, you can always reach me directly. Uh, my email is rob, R-O-B, at ccwsafe.com. Yeah. Don't send your complaints to me. Send them to Rob. <laughs> we look forward to seeing everybody next week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. God bless. Have a great day.